BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. It's Mueller time. All we can say is, damn, damn, damn. Disappointing. And what Robert Mueller came up with, what do you say? Hello, everybody. Here we go. Yep, no other way to say it. It did not live up to our expectations for sure. Maybe because our expectations were too high. But still, it does not give Donald Trump the clean bill of health that he is claiming already. Boy, that's going to be the focus of our show today for sure. That's been the focus of the entire weekend ever ever since Friday afternoon at 5 p.m., the classic media dump time. Robert Mueller announced that he had completed his job, uh, at least by his estimation. He had written his final report, and he had turned it over to the Attorney Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who immediately dropped it like a hot potato into the lap of the Attorney General William Barr. And it wasn't until just about 48 hours later, yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, uh, that we learned kind of what was in the Mueller report, what was not in the Mueller report. And in many ways, the game is just starting now. It is far from over. There's so many aspects of this. What did they conclude? What did they not conclude? Where do we go from here? What else is still out there? Uh, we got to get into all of that, and we will. With your help, thank you for joining us today. Now, get get on it. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. On Twitter, at BP Show. So we'll t- take you from uh, A to Z on the Mueller report, but first... This is the Full Court Uh-oh. Press. All righty. Believe it or not, there are a couple of other news stories. Oh, believe out it or there. not, Rudy Giuliani's on Fox and Friends. Oh, here we go. This morning. Yeah. Oh, God. Day. Believe it or not. It's going to be a long week. We're uh, going to see a lot of Rudy this I week. I know. I don't think I'm ready for it. All right. Well, let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about some non Trump news for just a little while. Did you go to the movies this weekend? 
I didn't have time. All right. Well, yeah, I can't imagine. Well, a lot of people did, and they went to go see Jordan Peele's Us new movie out this weekend, and it pulled in $70 million. Whoa. It was a gigantic opening. It was the second largest opening ever for a live-action original picture. Huh. Uh, it, it, this is Jordan Peele, who did Get Out a couple of years ago. This is his follow-up. Uh, I went to go see it yesterday. It's okay. Uh-huh. It's okay. Yeah. But What's it, it about? But it's a whole... It's so he is sort of getting into this whole new... This genre of, like, new school horror movies. So it's a uh, horror. Uh-huh. Uh, it's interesting, but it's okay. It's okay. Probably worth going to see, but... But know, not great. It's not as good as Get Out. I love to Get Out. Uh, this is okay. All right, Bill. Did you get your Powerball? Damn it. Yes. You did? Well, you didn't win, as I you know. know. Yes. Uh, the Powerball is now up to $750 million. Nobody won? Nobody won over oh, I don't the weekend. feel so bad. Yeah, so you don't, yeah, you shouldn't feel bad because you didn't win. Nobody else won. Uh, so now, as I mentioned, $750 million. That is the fourth largest uh, jackpot in U.S. history uh, when someone So what it. is it, Wednesday? Uh, I guess the next drawing is Wednesday. I, I guess it's, it's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah I guess that's right. the next one. So, again, it, okay. as of now, it's 750. I'm uh, making myself a that note right grow. now to get my Powerball. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Good. And, you know, it's been pretty quiet from Bob Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, since he was arrested or charged uh, with two misdemeanor counts of first-degree solicitation. Well, over the weekend, he put out a statement said, quote, I am truly sorry. I know I have hurt and disappointed my family, my close friends, my co-workers, our fans, and many others who rightfully hold me to a higher standard, end quote. That was his statement that he put out over the weekend. He did not comment uh, on whether or not he will be coming to the White House when the Patriots visit to celebrate their Super Bowl win. is the Bill Press Show. It is complete frustration or complete vindication. Hey, you take your pick. I know what it is for me. Complete disappointment. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Damn, damn, damn. Monday, March 25, the Mueller Report is in, and it certainly is not what we wanted it to be, was hoping it to be, or uh, expected it to be. Disappointment reigns uh, in uh, certain circles, <laughs> including the circle that most of us live in. On a Monday, May tw- uh, March uh, 25, 2019, it's good to see you here on the Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us on television, on the radio, and online. Online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On the radio on the great WCPT out in Chicago and uh, statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks, television nationwide, coast to coast uh, on the great free speech TV. Uh, Yes, indeed, it was. It's been a long time. 675 days. The Robert Mueller investigation. 
uh, concluding on Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, there were rumors all day long that, uh, boom, that finally, might happen, might happen. He might drop the other shoe. Uh, and he did, Robert Mueller, with uh, just a little note uh, to the White House and to the Congress and to the media all at one time that he had completed his report. Uh, he had completed his investigation, turned his report into the acting attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, who we were told immediately doop, handed it over to the attorney general, Bill Barr, and then became the waiting game as to, okay, what was in the report? What was in the report? A lot of speculation. Uh, and that ended yesterday uh, mid-afternoon when, again, simultaneously to the White House, to the media, and to the Congress, uh, Attorney General Barr said, okay, here's in a four-page letter. Got it right here. Uh, here is what is in Basically, not just not a summary, not an executive summary, not an outline, but his summation of what the Robert Mueller report um, to found in its 600 and Mueller investigation found in its 675 days. Yeah, there's so many ways to to get at this. First of all, uh, so I've broken it down into about six points. I guess the one first is colossal disappointment. Um, I mean, I really felt. I haven't felt this way since, um, well, for one, November 9th, 2016, <laughs> uh, or the night of November 8th, 2016, when uh, we all expected a different outcome of the presidential election and had to face the fact that uh, for the next four years we'd be stuck with um, the most unqualified, incompetent, uh, corrupt president that the United States has ever seen. And now we're in the middle of that. Uh, or I also felt uh, I haven't been as so disappointed in certainly a legal finding since the uh, OJ verdict back in L.A., which I lived through where we all expected because the evidence was so overwhelming uh, that OJ would be found guilty and sent to prison. And instead, uh, he walked, well, uh, and to a large extent, uh, Donald Trump walked yesterday. So can't hide uh, the disappointment um, and not trying to mask it. Partly it may be because I think we have to face it that the expectations, our expectations, a lot of them built up by the media, uh, a lot of them built up by Democrats, uh, a lot of them just built up by people who love this country and didn't like the direction Donald Trump was taking this country, um, had their expectations, had set their expectations so high on the Mueller report that the Mueller report was going to be the, mark the definitive end to the Trump presidency because it would be so damning, so condemning um, that uh, he could not survive and Congress would be compelled, Republicans and Democrats, by what Robert Mueller said, to move into impeachment hearings. That certainly is far from the case. Uh, and with those expectations so high, it, 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 it reached a point where it was almost like unless they put the handcuffs on him and frog-marched him off the golf course, anything else would not be um, acceptable. And anything else other than that would give Donald Trump the opportunity and his followers, which they took advantage of, to crow absolute total victory, total exoneration, total 
you know, no collusion, no obstruction, total victory, uh, total slam dunk, uh, and uh, and really spiked the, spiked the ball in the uh, in the end zone, uh, and that's what happened. Again, anything short of Donald Trump facing absolute criminal conviction uh, was going to let a lot of people down, and we should have known the Mueller report was never going to go that far. But as I mentioned, so with uh, with the one side being total frustration, the other side is total vindication, which came from the president himself down at Mar-a-Lago when he, after being briefed on the report by White House counsels, he got to the, the airport in West Palm Beach before boarding Air Force One. Uh, he, they had alerted reporters he would have something to say. And, of course, he takes it, meaning I did absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong. It was just announced there was no collusion with Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. Uh, and, of course, as we'll get to in a moment, that's not what uh, the attorney general reported, and it's not what Robert Mueller concluded. Uh, however, uh, what a shame that poor little me, I had to go through this. Donald Trump. It's a shame that our country had to go through this. To be honest, it's a shame that your president has had to go through this for before I even got elected. It began. Mm-hmm. Poor little me, poor little me, and uh, now I am totally free. It was a complete and total exoneration. I uh, knew that the—I felt, rather, uh, that uh, the president would um, have something to say when he got back to Washington. Uh, it was uh, a moment I felt uh, that was worth going down to the White House for yesterday afternoon. I, I, I want you to know I, uh, I temporarily postponed my Sunday evening cocktail. So, I mean, so. I would have had one before I went to the White House. Talk about a sacrifice. Yeah, jeez. I, I made the ultimate sacrifice uh, and went down to the White House to be there when Marine One landed on the uh, South Lawn. Uh, the I was standing alongside of a Major Garrett from CBS president got off the helicopter uh we really in fact one of the report other reporters there said to me you watch he's going to talk until the sun goes down he's going to talk until they turn out the lights right uh we expected him to but he had very little to say uh other than um well sort of like the pt barnum in him came out i just want to tell you that america is the greatest place on earth the greatest place on earth. Thank you very much. And that's all he said. So there you go. Uh, obviously, by that point, uh, he was feeling pretty good. I I, always, I, I was saying when I he probably when had I a diet coke on the helicopter. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, yeah. He was. I, I I was saying that it reminds me of the Don King stuff, right? Every time the Don King yeah. would uh, uh, get out of trouble, he would always only in America, only <laughs> in America, and they really are cut from the same cloth. Oh Donald yeah, Donald Trump yes. and Don King. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, we should have expected this. Right. Uh, uh, did, did expect him to, to, to say more. But uh, you got to admit, for Donald Trump, uh, there was some good news uh, in this. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, it was good news that the uh, uh, Department of Justice, Robert Mueller, announced 
they were going to be making no more indictments in this case. Uh, that means, also good news, that there will be nobody named Trump indicted uh, in this investigation. No Donald Trump. No Donald Trump Jr. No Ivanka Trump. No Jared Kushner. Um, for better or for worse, good news for the president, certainly. Uh, it's also good news for him. And maybe the key in how this thing turned out, um, that there was no interview of the president. Remember, we talked last week, George uh, Rudy Giuliani is still, by the way, pontificating on Fox and Friends. Uh, he considers this one of his greatest uh, victories. And in a sense, it is. One of the smartest things they did was convince Robert Mueller to drop his demand. And, and we remember at one time, Mueller said, I can't conclude my report unless I have a chance to talk to the person. I think he was right to talk to the person who is the very center of this whole investigation. He, Mueller, I think he let us all down in this respect. He uh, uh, finally accepted the fact that he was not going to be able to interview Donald Trump in person. And as George Conway, uh, Kellyanne's husband, um, pointed out last week that White House attorneys told him they couldn't allow Donald Trump to testify because he would lie his way through it and then uh, would be nailed on perjury. So, But that was, a, that was a good news and a win for the White House that they were able to, um, to, to uh, get by and see this thing conclude without having the president to sit down. Didn't work for Bill Clinton. It did work for, for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and um, so, so you got to admit there was certainly good news, and on the collusion front, good news that the uh, special counsel found not that there was no collusion at all, but there was not, and the wording is very clear. There was they couldn't prove conspiracy to collude with the Russian government beyond a reasonable doubt. In other words, the prosecutor. Didn't say he'd done nothing wrong, but he said this was not a case he could take to court and prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So there was that good news. At the same time, it was not, and I think we've got to be clear on this, and this is not just sour grapes, this was not a total vindication for Donald Trump. Number one, as I just pointed out, on, the, on, on um, collusion, there was certainly lots of collusion. We saw it. The meeting on Trump Tower, the meetings with Putin, the saying nice things about Putin, encouraging Russia to hack into Hillary's emails, if you can, which, the, which, the, which Donald Trump himself did. That was all collusion. All Mueller said, it was not conspiracy to collude beyond a reasonable doubt, number one. Number two, on obstruction of justice, and let me read you from the Attorney General's letter, right, uh, on obstruction of justice... It says here, the special counsel states that while this report does not conclude, this is the key sentence in the summary that William Barr gave to Congress. The special counsel states that while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. So for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which she said yesterday, for Rudy Giuliani, which he said yesterday, 
for Donald Trump himself, which we just heard him say, that there was no obstruction of justice, not true. Robert Mueller does not say that. So what happened then, this goes to the Attorney General, and Rob, William Barr himself concluded that there was not enough evidence to convince the president of a crime of obstruction of justice. Pay attention to that. That is going to be a key point moving forward. That this decision uh, not to pursue Donald Trump for obstruction of justice uh, was made by the attorney general, not by Robert Mueller. A couple of things on that. Number one, I think Mueller um, finked out, didn't do his job, caved in. Even Alan Dershowitz, whom I seldom agree with, said yesterday, look, it's a prosecutor's job to indict or not. And if he does, then do it. And if he doesn't, then shut up. But to say at the end of 675 days, I can't decide whether this is worth prosecuting or not. You decide. Yeah, I think he really dropped the ball on that. Then it goes to William Barr. No, and by the way, um, Robert Mueller took almost two years to conclude that he couldn't reach a decision on that. Bill Barr took less than two days to say, uh-uh, there's not enough evidence here. So the attorney general, Trump's man, Trump's appointee, makes the decision, not Robert Mueller. And William Barr takes very little time compared to what Robert Mueller put into it. And thirdly... It's no surprise. Bill Barr, a year and a, a year ago, long before he was named uh, nominated for attorney general, wrote a 19-page memo saying that the Mueller investigation should never have taken place because there was zero evidence of obstruction of justice. So this was Barr's position. Position we knew that before he was even nominated for attorney general, which may be why he was nominated for attorney general, probably is. And no surprise then that he would come to that conclusion. In other words, Bill Barr did exactly what Donald Trump wanted him to. So not the report certainly does not end there. Um, and I, I think it's, you got to slow down and say, okay, now Donald Trump, of course, says this was a total witch hunt. In fact, Rudy Giuliani on CNN News uh, yesterday afternoon called in to CNN um, talking to uh, Wolf Blitzer and Dana Bash and said, you wonder why this investigation, he's, Rudy says, it, it found so little that you wonder why this investigation ever started in the first place. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it started in the first place because the FBI was told that there was this Trumper, George Papadopoulos, who was in England talking to anybody who would talk to him, that he had a, a Russian source who was leaking or promising dirt on Hillary Clinton to help in the 2016 election. That's a federal crime, and that's why the FBI started investigating. That's why the investigation started. And, by the way, um, we learned a lot from it. There were, remember, this was not a witch hunt. This was not an exercise in nothing. There were 34 individuals and three corporations that were indicted, including six people close to Donald Trump, Paul Manafort, 
Rick Gates, Roger Stone, George Papadopoulos, go down the list, Michael Flynn, um, three of them, and Michael Cohen, three of them either in prison or going to prison. Um, we learned that uh, there's no doubt that Russia was in a massive way interfering in the 2016 election. Uh, and we knew that the Trump campaign knew about that and did nothing about reporting it to the FBI. Uh, in fact, in some ways, reached out and asked for their help. Uh, we know that while Donald Trump said nobody in his team, nobody in his campaign or the transition had any contact whatsoever with any Russian whatsoever, that that was a total lie. There were multiple, multiple contacts. We know that while there may not have been collusion, a conspiracy to commit beyond a reasonable doubt, um, in a sense, there was no collusion. It wasn't their fault. They tried to collude. Look at the Trump Tower meeting. They held a meeting to get the dirt on Hillary from a Russian operative. We know that when Donald Trump said uh, he had zero business ties with Russia all during the campaign, that in fact, during the campaign, his guy, Michael Cohen, was still pursuing the big hotel tower in Moscow all the way up to November 2016. And to say otherwise, which Donald Trump did over and over again, was a lie. Um, we know that uh, all that time, Donald Trump was saying good things about Vladimir Putin uh, and in many ways encouraging him uh, to interfere in the election by not condemning it. Uh, and we also know that when Donald Trump during that time said he knew nothing about any hush money paid to any woman to, to not to talk about an affair, that that was a lie as well. We, do, we learned a lot from the Mueller report, even though uh, it did not end up with a total condemnation of Donald Trump. And the next point is we're going to learn a lot more. This is far from over yet. There are, get this, there are still over a dozen investigations of Donald Trump. And in many ways, the whole scene now shifts to New York and the special district of New York. Um, but I, 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 know, I just wrote down uh, yesterday while I was thinking about this. So here are the investigations still underway. The Southern District of New York is investigating the hush money we just talked about, uh, which they let could be campaign finance violations. They're also looking into his inaugural committee uh, accepting foreign donations, and they're looking into the fact that they may have offered Michael Cohen or dangled a pardon in front of Michael Cohen uh, in return for um, not, not ratting on Donald Trump. The New York Attorney General's Office, State of New York Attorney General, looking into uh, financial um, deals, uh, tax evasion, uh, and some fraudulent loans on the part of the Trump uh, outfit. In the New York Superior Court, there's still an ongoing case of sexual assault against Donald Trump. Here in Washington, D.C. and the nearby state of Maryland, there's also still a Superior Court case over the emoluments clause and the Trump International Hotel and the president accepting foreign donations. Uh, and, of course, we have three houses of Congress 
the Oversight Committee, the Judiciary Committee, uh, and the third one, oh, the Intelligence Committee, uh, that are just getting started in holding hearings into many aspects of the Trump administration, including following up on some of the things that Robert Mueller didn't finish on. So uh, there's a long way to go. The fat lady has not sung yet by any means in this thing. Uh, and I think the conclusion is that we're still dealing with the most corrupt inf- administration we've seen since Watergate uh, and maybe when all this other stuff comes out, even more corrupt than Watergate. Uh, Jerry Nadler, chairman of, of the House Judiciary Committee, um, certainly made this point uh, yesterday where he says, you know, we're going we're gonna to continue, uh, and this does not give the president a total uh, free ride. Here he is, uh, Chairman Nadler. The president of his people are saying it's a total exoneration. That contradicts what the special counsel found. Uh, it's a lie about this, what the special counsel fi- found, but we should not be surprised that they lie anymore. And as uh, Congressman Nadler pointed out, with uh, Bob Bar- uh, Bill Barr rather to uh, conclude that there was no um, crime in obstruction of justice, um, boy, he really rushed into that decision. After 22 months for the attorney general reviewing that record in 22 hours uh, is a bit much. Bit much, and so uh, Jerry Nadler says, let's bring Bill Barr in and uh, he can explain to us how he reached this decision. I would hope that it would not be necessary to use subpoena power to get the attorney general to appear before the committee. We also want to see the full report, and if necessary, we'll use subpoena power to get that too. And I think that's where this all leads, is to what we really need now. It's okay. It's, you know, good. We got this four-page little summary. That's that's not enough. There are tons of documents. There's the full Mueller report. Uh, certainly, uh, I believe, and I'm not alone, that the American people, uh, not just the Congress, of course, our representatives and the American people, uh, have a right to see, A, the full report, and B, the supporting documents in the full report, to the extent that they can be released. I know there's some question about grand jury testimony that can't be released, national security matters that can't be released. they got to go through that a little bit, but get the report out there and get as much of the background supporting documentation as possible out there uh, and let us decide. I just want to point out, we have a poll up right now at BP Show, at BP Show, Will the Mueller report be released to the public? You could vote yes, no, or undecided. Uh, we just put it up, so go there and vote now. We'll read some of your comments and give you an update on the poll a little bit later. Right. Um, so if um, if Democrats may be expected too much, uh, I think it's pretty clear that the president and his supporters will make too much out of what uh, Robert Mueller concluded. Uh, and it started yesterday with Chris Christie former U.S. attorney, of course, former governor of New Jersey, who says, from now on, okay, let's just stop talking about Russia. This letter is a complete home run for the president of the United States, and it should end any talk of Russia. No, 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 not any talk uh, talk about Russia. The fact is, hello, we know that Russia on many levels, went out of the way in a very complicated operation and a very sophisticated operation 
to undermine and to influence the outcome of the 2016 election to help Donald Trump get elected. And they succeeded in large part because of his help. You cannot deny that. So the idea that we should just forget about that, I think, is to betray this country. And that's not certainly what Robert Mueller concludes in his report. For Chris Christie, of all people, uh, to make that statement and read that into it, um, I think, um, yeah, he's, he's just putting his uh, loyalty to his buddy Donald Trump ahead of his loyalty to the country. Oh, we're just getting started. Uh, so many aspects of it, as we mentioned, so many layers. Uh, but the most important thing, it is not over yet. Chris Catalago, a good friend from Politico, um, covering the 2020 campaign and uh, the 2020 candidates were all speaking out about uh, the Mueller report over the weekend as well. We'll catch up with 2020 and its and the impact of the Mueller report on that race with Chris Catalago. Coming up next, quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we are on a Monday, March 25, uh, Mueller time. Uh, a combination of frustration on one side and vindication, claims of vindication on the other. What do you say, folks? So good to see you today as we uh, come to Bill Press Show, as we come to you live from Washington, D.C. Brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, those good men and women of our firefighting departments on the front lines protecting American families every day. We see them rushing by on their way to a call, so uh, give them a big wave and uh, thank them for the good work they do and for their support of the uh, Bill Press Show under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger. Check out their website at IAFF.org. Join me in saying hello to Politico's own Chris Catalago, uh, now assigned to the 2020 campaign on the road most of the time. We catch him while he's here in Washington. Hello, Chris. It's nice, nice to, to see you. Yeah. Um, from Washington, I mean from California to the White House and now back on the campaign back trail. On, yeah. uh, so, Chris, we've been talking, of course, about uh, Mr. Mueller uh, and uh, Peter. Some few comments along the way? Yes, indeed. Let's just first of all mention our poll again yes. that we have up. We just put it up about uh, half an hour ago. Will the Mueller report be released to the public? You could vote yes, no, or undecided. Pretty close poll right now. 48% of you say yes. 39% of you say no. 13% of you are undecided. By the way, that decision is the decision to be made by the Attorney General. Yes. Who is not um, committed to doing that. He's just committed to making as much public as possible. That's what he keeps saying. Um, as George Stephanopoulos pointed out yesterday, it could be decided by the president himself. He's got the authority to just say, release the whole report. And last week he told, I was there at the White House when he yeah. told John Carl from ABC... Uh, yes, I think let the people see it. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Here. Yeah. Uh, a couple of comments on this, as you can imagine. Uh, Stewart says, we had faith in Robert Mueller. We should not have. He rolled over for the Republican Party. This is sad. I'm not sure if I'm going to go that far and say he rolled over for the Republican Party, but I think a lot of people did put maybe too much faith in Robert Mueller. I uh, think he walked away before he finished his job. Yeah, yeah. John, I really do. Yeah, I, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. John has an idea. He said Democrats in the House should just subpoena Robert Mueller directly. He should mm. come and testify. Oh, by the way, they that's are talk, They're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, he will be called to testify. 
uh, and they may have to subpoena him. Yeah. Uh, and Annette says, it's very sad that we, especially women, put all of our hopes in an old white male Republican. How many times will Lucy move the football before we catch on? Yes. I mean, let's not forget that Robert Mueller is an old white Republican cop, right? As as much as everybody turned him into some superhero uh, through all of this, that's who he is. Uh, if you have a comment on any topic at any time, find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Right. Uh, so, Chris, the uh, 2020 campaign, do, well, uh, let's ask the question. Do you think this discussion about and follow up on the Mueller report is going to um, work its way into the 2020 campaign? Yeah. So we had been reaching out to folks for months now and just kind of chatting. Uh, there was very little said publicly by the candidates beyond this process needs to continue. Mueller needs to be allowed to do his job. That was kind of the line that you heard across right. the board from Elizabeth Warren to to, to most of the folks mm-hmm. in the race. Um, then you flash forward. Right now, I would expect them to really go hard on this idea that uh, this full report needs to come out and that the attorney general needs to uh, come testify. Those two points, I think, are going to be the central points right now. Um, you know, what we heard was we need to plan for campaigns that go in for the long haul, that don't rely on any sort of outside, uh, uh, you know, regard whatever the results of this investigation, you know, from impeachment to, uh, uh, you know, um, him being called out in this report, um, and that they couldn't, I think they recognized pretty early on that they couldn't rely on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, some of the campaigns were hoping, uh, maybe more than others, that that would play into their hand um, and that it would be something that would really contrast their candidate with Donald Trump. And so I think, um, you know, you have former prosecutors in the in the uh, field, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris. I mean, there are people who could you could see using this more than others. Um, but I think they go to the process now. They go to letting this uh, play out, wanting to see. Uh, as much as they can about the investigation. And now, you know, it's sort of like the hard work of the 2020 race. I've always thought this, that, you you know, you're not going to get a gift. you got to beat Donald Trump. You right. Know, you got to figure out a way to beat him, um, you know, in this election. So there were two candidates uh, uh, that I know of, I'm sure there were more, mm-hmm. who spoke about this yesterday. Bernie yeah. Sanders was in San Francisco um, after a big rally in L.A. and a big mm-hmm. rally in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's in Kamala Harris territory. Yes. Um, uh, talking about, uh, here his comment, we need to see the full report. I want a summary of the report. <laughs> I want the whole damn report. <laughs> because nobody, especially this president, is above the law. Uh, and uh, so... Of safe ground for Bernie, right? Yes. Uh, and by the way, in California, Kamala Harris territory, he yep. got big crowds. Big crowds. So California, I think, is uh, a state for Bernie uh, that could play well, depending on how he does early. And and uh, the California primary is a big, big factor this He's this one time. of the few people in recent years, even not recent years, who in 2016 – was just all over the state. I mean, the number of rallies he had, not only in the big population centers, 
but way out yeah. in the you yeah. know, northern stretches of the state. So he's been working on that state for a very long time. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, Bernie's going to do what he's going to do. We talk so much about the Mueller report and, and what it would show. You know, he's one of the candidates in this field that that uh, is has his own plan, has his own. You, know, you could see uh, sort of how he's campaigning, um, uh, very issue focused. Uh, he's got uh, some very strong supporters who are going to be with him no matter what. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I he he and others will all talk about wanting to see this report, but um, he's not not someone who I think was. Uh, a, so reliant on whatever this investigation. And now, in what, in what, sadly for her, might yes. have been the worst possible day to schedule a huge rally. Yes. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand yeah. held a rally yesterday in front of Trump International Tower in New York. Mm-hmm. Again, the media gave her like zero attention because everybody, everybody was focused on what's Bill Barr going to say and yeah. what's Donald Trump going to say. Um, but she uh, she did say, making an attempt, right, to, in front of Donald Trump. Your bravery inspires me every day. And that is why I'm running for president of the United States. Mm, not a big crowd there. But uh, what I thought was interesting is she seems to really want to make this campaign yeah. about Donald Trump. I would say we're starting to see the beginnings of the folks who are, and, you know, I know... People don't like to hear about polls this early in the race, but they're, they, they are indicative of something. And the folks who have maybe not got as much traction, not raised as much money from the small donors out there online, mm-hmm. not uh, made as much of a mark yet in Iowa and New Hampshire and some of the early states, I think they're going to go hard on, um, on Donald Trump, on all the, uh, the investigations that are still happening in Congress. This thing's far from over. You talk about the... Uh, uh, investigation and all the uh, uh, charges coming out of uh, New York, the st- uh, other states potentially that we don't even know about that may have gotten mm-hmm. um, information. Uh, yeah, I know. S- I keep hearing that the L.A. the L.A. Yeah. attorney so, attorney uh, attorney's there's, office. And there's been all kinds of rumors about uh, 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 you know maybe them not pursuing um, you know federal charges, but kicking this to various states where this could have happened. And so I I think that th- these provide. Uh, talking points. There's no like bigger contrast. There's no bigger um, uh, boogeyman out there than Donald Trump. And so I think if if you're not getting as much traction talking about yourself and your own campaign, <laughs> that is one where they... quick way to do it where you where you spend a lot of time talking about Trump. It's it's sort of a guaranteed way if you do it in a new way to get attention day after day, um, especially if you don't do it on the day that everyone's waiting for the Mueller report. But I also think that, like, if you look at the tale of two campaigns, right, like Kirsten Gillibrand Mm -hmm. and, let's say, Elizabeth Warren, and Elizabeth Warren is out there, and it seems like every week she's throwing out two or three big ideas that, as president, I will do this, whether it's the Electoral College or the child care, universal uh, child care, things like that. And Kirsten Gillibrand, who is essentially running the same campaign that Hillary Clinton ran in 2016, which is Trump is bad. And how did that work out for Hillary Clinton? Not great. Yeah. So, I haven't heard any new ideas from new no, or big ideas. No, from I, I guess my point Kirsten is you Gillibrand. can't run for president by just saying Trump is bad and I'm better because it hasn't worked in the past and people want to hear ideas. Especially this time, it seems to me. Yeah. They're looking for ideas. And there are a lot of big new ideas out there. 
Um, you just came back from Texas mm-hmm. where uh, Kamala Harris. So if Bernie was in Kamala Harris yep. territory, Kamala Harris was in Beto territory. That's true. We had sort of everyone trying to play in each other's potential stronghold. So, and you talk about policy. I thought that the Harris trip was interesting. Um, she uh, uh, was getting, I think she had 2,400 people at a uh, uh, historically black college in Houston. And then I think uh, um, even more at a at, at Morehouse in Atlanta uh, yesterday, where hmm. she uh, went hmm. to the um, spiritual home of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. She was right. campaigning at yeah. the church in the morning, and then um, so in terms of uh, uh, crowds, uh, uh, people are interested. That one mm-hmm. indication: people want to see what's there. She's. I think what happened was she had this big rollout, this big speech, and people said, "Oh, well." I kind of want to see what's going on there. You know, I mean, there there um, there are some people who already support her, but a lot of people who just want to come out and see what all the fuss is about. And um, what she did in Houston that I thought was interesting was she rolled out a proposal, um, sort of uh, everyone's playing catch up with Elizabeth Warren, as as you guys mentioned, uh, who's got the you know the tax on the on the uh, uh, richest folks Wealthy, to right. the, on the on the wealthy to the universal child care. I mean, she's uh, housing plan, affordable housing plan that's pretty detailed. And so Harris now has, uh, and, and of course also breaking up the tech companies. That was a big one. And um, so I think Harris is trying to put a little bit more meat on the bone. And uh, she uh, rolled out, uh, uh, or said she would this week, roll out a plan that would essentially uh, pay public school teachers more, that there's a big gap hmm. right now between um, what teachers make and people in similar professions. <laughs> that has and, been for a long yeah. time. And so uh, it's interesting to see where they prioritize. Uh, it, I wouldn't have automatically assumed that Harris would have done something related to teachers. I mean, you know, her background is in law right. enforcement and she's, you know, uh, focused on some other things. So she's now got a, a tax plan, which she's pushed in, in the Senate uh, of her own and now a uh, a. a a plan to basically close the teacher pay gap. And so, right. um, you know, there was that. And then obviously symbolism in going in, Beto just got it, Beto O'Rourke just got in this race and, and she, um, uh, Texas votes next March 3rd on Super Tuesday, huge mm-hmm. date with California. I think people are uh, 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 right now not quite um, seeing how significant that date might be, especially if these candidates kind of split the early states that's just going to be huge. And you only you have folks like uh, Bernie Sanders, potentially Joe Biden, and then, you know, Harris and Beto and maybe some others who, um, you know, at that point, who's going to have the money to campaign in a state like Texas and California. Right. Beto, in the meantime, yeah. if if she was on his territory, he was up in New Hampshire, I believe. He right? was in uh, he was all over. But yeah, it, uh, it, I know. he started that- off in South Carolina, New Hampshire. Then South Carolina, that's where he kind of crossed with Harris. And the interesting part uh-huh. of that was huh. she has put a lot of stuff yeah. in South yes. Carolina. Yes. And and Beto, you know, the question with him is he waited. How long did he wait till anyone knew where he was on legal marijuana? A whole bunch of issues, uh, criminal justice related issues that are important to the to voters in South Carolina. And so Beto was, uh, you know, sort of uh, telling folks how how woke he is in South Carolina um, and um, talking about what it's like being a, a you know, a Gen X, uh, you know, 
white guy and all the things he may not realize about society and that he needs to to know about. And so it was sort of a uh, very Beto-esque way to address questions there about um, where he stands on these issues and how he uh, sees them. The criticism that we hear about Beto O'Rourke is that while he is certainly an attractive candidate uh, and has a large grassroots following, that he's still basically on the issues as a blank slate. He's borrowing other folks' issues is what it is. I mean, he, he's, <laughs> he's out there talking about, you know, Cory Booker's got this thing called baby bonds, which he's been very fond of, which sort of uh, would start off with $1,000 and essentially an account for every child in America and then mm-hmm. grow depending on your family's income. And that's one of his big ideas so far. And uh, Beto kind of uh, said it's something he likes. And so it, uh-huh. it will. it's going to really be interesting to see whether he can – uh, offer anything of his own. And, you know, you could see why that happened, running in Texas against Ted Cruz. I mean, it was, it was a personality-driven race. It was one where, um, you know, he told people with uh, automatic weapons he's not going to come take them away. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of issues where um, he, he it would be hard for him to commit to the progressive side of the, of the, of the ledger. When you talk about South Carolina. I mean, does he have any ties with the African-American community? Really? I, I mean, some of the he coming he did, from Texas. I mean, he he spent a good amount of time campaigning where he went to all 254 yeah, counties. Right. Or whatever. And so, you know, you have places like Harris County and places outside of Dallas, some of the population centers where he did go and spend some time uh, with various groups. There was a big slate of African-American judges, female judge candidates outside in Harris County, outside of or in Houston. Uh, that had they I, they were calling themselves Black Girl Magic and um, and there were a bunch of other uh, groups campaigning down ballot of Beto in the, in the, Texas the that he affiliated he, with yes huh? yeah, yes right. so so um, you know there there were congressional candidates and these groups and so I think uh, the question is is any of that organically Beto you know I mean these right. people wanted to uh, uh, in Houston wanted to elect down ballot candidates. And campaign for them, and then you know Beto was part of that, like you say. Uh, but were they really how? And he was the Democrat leading the ticket. So how 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 into him are they really? Right. Um, meanwhile, um, Chris Galaga with us from politicopolitico.com. Um, last week, the big magic, the big excitement on twenty twenty was that Joe Biden had had lunch with Stacey Abrams. Yeah. And it looked like we were going to have not just Biden jumping in, but Biden jumping in with Stacey Abrams as his vice presidential running mate, which uh, everybody thought would really upset the entire race. What's the latest on that? So I think within the hour, I just saw a headline. I didn't get to read through the whole thing, but Stacey Abrams has uh, announced uh, a group that would uh, focus on – uh, making sure that there was a fair count or she would be part of a group that, that is making on, on the census, on the 2020 census. And you had, uh, this is, uh, in some ways, kind of similar to Andrew Gillum, the, the mm, gubernatorial yeah, candidate right. in Florida who is working now on a mass voter, voter registration, registration effort. Yeah. And so, yeah, we should look that up. But, I, uh, you, you know, it's, it is, I have been very intrigued by this contrast of both Andrew Gillum and Stacey Abrams' Uh, particularly Abrams, who ha- has a lot of skills, and um, with Beto, you know, I mean, they came closer in their races than Beto did in the the the, the race mm-hmm. against Ted Cruz, uh, especially when you compare it to their states. And um, you know, now he's the one standing on cars and running for president, and they're um, 
plugging away. So uh, the, I think that the, the, the conventional yeah. wisdom and the, uh, the automatic uh, sort of response was um, uh, this thing has a huge potential to backfire. And we don't know whether it was something that was just discussed a few weeks ago and never really went anywhere. And now we have some Biden advisors kind of talking about this is what we were thinking about doing. He could have said a few weeks ago, we're not doing this. And then it gets out and it sort of drives the conversation. And I have not seen well, anything. Well, has with- she, do we know, has she said, first of all, people want Stacey Abrams to run for everything, right? Yeah, I mean, including president herself. I know. They've talked about that <laughs> or for Senate or for governor again, or now go in as Joe Biden's vice presidential yeah. or anything. Was that offered to her, and has she said yes or no? Do we know? Peter, you were saying there might have been some story earlier that it's all off, or who knows? I am not sure. Axios has reported that they both talked to sources inside the Biden camp and the Abrams camp that said that that that's not something that they're interested in, but there's not, like, an official confirmation. The interesting thing about it is you talk to folks in the the Abrams camp, and— they have very consciously and very clearly in the public not ruled out any of these potential uh, yeah. jobs. That's that's an interesting thing to me is is while you may have a sense of she might want to do this one, she may want to do that one, she's getting calls daily from Chuck Schumer saying run for Senate. Everyone around her is getting the big pressure to run for Senate. And then, uh, you know, there were reports about her uh, a few weeks back where she was interviewed and she was and sh- she was asked about running and she said, well, I was looking at 2028 for a president. And then she came in uh, very quickly after that and said, no, everything's on the table. So I think for me, the takeaway is uh, stay in as many of these conversations as possible. But uh, from our reporting and all the folks we talked with, um, w- the idea that she would kind of come in and join this ticket or even get into the presidential race, I think, uh, seemed to uh, it, we were not hearing that those were sort of the real big option or play for her and and mm-hmm. I think that's why we're not seeing anything solid in terms of she's going to do this or that um, in these top races and I, I I would tend to think that running for the U.S. Senate might be in the cards but um, I just the, the potential for Biden's plan to backfire rolling out a candidate saying I might only uh, serve one term is highlights his 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 age. You remember John McCain was thinking about doing that in 2008 mm-hmm. and and the advisors around him said yeah. it's a bad no, no, idea. Why right. would you Well, but for one thing, obviously, yeah. you make yourself a lame duck from yeah. the, from the from day one exactly. and lame ducks are uh, uh, you know not that powerful. Uh give away a lot of the power. Uh so I'm going to come back to where we started here with yeah. just about a minute left. Sure. That it it would you agree that with the Mueller report out now, um, and whether you're frustrated by it or feel vindicated by it, that that means less likely that there'll be impeachment hearings, and therefore more likely the focus uh, for how to get rid of Donald Trump is going to be on 2020, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, I think so that's the totally decision true. is going to be made. Wasn't made by Mueller. Not going to be made by impeachment. It's going to be up to the American people whether they. Want to continue four more years of this or say enough's enough? Yeah, I think there's going to still be plenty for Democrats, whether it's on any other non-Trump issue, non-Russia issue, or even on on the Russia issue. There's still going to be plenty of fodder for these 2020 candidates to bring up 
just Russia's role in the in the 2016 election is still very much there. There's yeah, there's been a right. lot published, and so but the impeachment thing I I would expect to recede. Um, but and, so it's going to be more fodder for Democrats, but also more fodder I think for for uh, Trump. I think yeah. he's not now he's got his message, which is they said I did all these things wrong. I've had a clean bill of health, right? The and, the, the toughest thing for Trump was going to be running as an outsider again, and this helps. Uh, underscore that maybe he kind of is the outsider because they spent two years investigating him and and, and this is what turned up and so yes yeah. I, I think it'll give him he'll, fodder but he'll the use it cycle, yeah total total vindication yeah. hey Chris it's so good to see you thanks anytime you're back in town stop by and, and let us know what's going on out there on the campaign trail Thank you. and when we come back Ray Locker joins us um, we'll talk about Nixon this and Trump is the Bill Press show Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Right. It's either frustration or vindication we're all feeling today. Um, <clears throat> frustration on my part. What do you say, everybody, on a Monday, March 25, morning after release of the, at least the Attorney General summary of the Mueller report, which Donald Trump claims gives him total... Total exoneration, total vindication. Here we go on this Monday edition of the Bill Press Show, and that is consuming our attention today, just so as the Mueller report has consumed our attention for the last 675 days. Um, and we've got lots of aspects of it to uh, talk about. That's why it's good to have you with us, and we thank you for joining us online, on the radio, and on television, uh, coast to coast. Uh, for this uh, big news day. There's never a dull news day, as we tell you all the time, in the Trump administration. Um, but to help us through the news of this day and, and maybe put it in a little historical perspective, uh, a friend of ours, good friend, author of, of a new book coming out May 1 about Ronald Reagan, I mean, I'm sorry, Richard Nixon and <laughs> Alexander Haig called Haig's Coup, how Richard Nixon's closest aide forced him from office. Ray Locker. Hey, Ray, it's good to see you. Great to be here. Man, do you see a lot of parallels here, huh? I see some parallels. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, uh, indeed. Hmm. Who is Donald Trump's Alexander <laughs> Haig? Hmm. All those kinds of good questions. So we've got lots to talk about. Mueller, Nixon, Trump, Alexander Haig, and your comments, welcome on, on Twitter, at BP Show, on Twitter, at BP Show. Ray and I will jump right into it with all of you, but first, Peter gets this first bat. is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories. Making news. 
Gonzaga, Florida State, Tennessee, Purdue, Michigan, Texas Tech, Virginia, Oregon, Michigan State, LSU, North Carolina, Auburn, Duke, Virginia Tech, Kentucky, and Houston. Those are your Sweet 16 basketball teams in the men's NCAA tournament after a wild weekend of basketball. Probably the highlight over the weekend was the University of Central Florida versus Duke. That was the game last mm-hmm. night that went down to the wire where University of Central Florida had a chance to win the game and the kid missed a little tip in oh. right off of the rim in oh. the last minute. It was heartbreak, huh? total yeah. heartbreak for a possible Cinderella story, but that means Duke moves on, moves on into the Sweet 16. Those games resume on Thursday, so we get a little bit of a breather this week. At, at least until Thursday before the games. Uh, Did I see that uh, Barack Obama put Duke uh, up number one? Oh, you know what? I didn't look to see what his bracket was. I would not be surprised. I think Duke is yeah. sort of yeah. everyone's favorite this time around. Zion Williamson is an absolute monster. Uh, he put the team on his back yesterday and won the game for them uh, practically in the last three minutes he was just unconscious and uh, destroyed UCF uh, but he I mean they're, they're an amazing team mm-hmm. I know it's popular to hate Duke I'm not a Duke fan uh, but they have an amazing basketball team this time around okay there is a new study out Bill from Cambridge University and I know I just report these studies you don't have to believe them Most but I'm just putting them out here just BS. this is one that I actually am not totally writing off they say that humans people don't become fully formed adults until they're in their mid 30s (laughs) their mid 30s that like you can function at you know at like 20 25 you, you know all these things you're able to function and you can make it but you don't really form your opinions and know who you are as a person until you're mid 30s agree or disagree we report, you decide. What do you think, Gray? Uh, agree. I'm still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I yeah. think it's the truest thing I've heard all day. I'm still trying to decide what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. <laughs> 30 may be too early. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. It's Mueller time. Yeah. Damn, damn, damn. All I got to say when I saw that report, I feel like I felt during the OJ trial, when the OJ verdict came out, the legal system let me down, let us down, Uh, at least from this perspective. Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Monday, March 25, 2019, it is the Bill Press Show, and it's good to have you with us today as we boom out to you from Washington, D.C., our studio here on Capitol Hill, uh, where we were consumed over the weekend waiting to find out, uh, once we knew Friday that the Mueller report had been delivered to the Attorney General, waiting to find out what was in it, and all we found out is uh, what's contained in this little four-page letter here from the... Uh, Attorney General to the leaders of uh, Congress uh, and uh, issued simultaneously uh, to the media and to the American public. 
So we will uh, bring you up to date on all of that uh, with the help of our good friends uh, and with all of you as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, as we join you on television on Free Speech TV and on the great WCPT out in Chicago and the surrounding areas of uh, Chicago. Good to see you all today and great to welcome Ray Locker to the studio. Uh, who um, not only is uh, one of our favorite people, but also has a new book coming out May 1. So get ready. May 1, you can pre-order uh, from by Ray his latest book. He wrote a book about Nixon a couple of years ago, Nixon's Gamble. Uh, this new book, also around the Nixon administration, called Hague's Coup, How Richard Nixon's Closest Aide Forced him from office. Hey, Ray, it's good to see you. Great to be here. Uh, as uh, an American, as a, as a news junkie, um, what was your take on uh, the Bill Barr's summation of the Mueller report yesterday? Well, were you I, surprised? No, not really. I mean, uh, we never yeah. thought that they were going to indict the president because there's this long-held belief dating back to the Nixon administration right. that a sitting president can't be indicted. Probably a good thing. Um, there's still a lot of smoke. Um, this doesn't show that there's any fire, but there's tons of smoke. They don't rule specifically on whether he obstructed justice. Many people think that he did. Sure looked like he did, but Mueller didn't make a ruling on that. Proving collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, particularly that the candidate at the time knew about it, was always going to be difficult. So this doesn't really surprise me. What would surprise me is if the attorney general thinks that this is it oh, I'm going to give you this four-page letter, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go away, and we're never going to talk about this again. This is not it. Right. And if you are someone who doesn't like President Trump, you're not happy today because you're seeing all the Trump partisans crowing that this is a total vindication. Well, it's not a total vindication. Right. Um, I was uh, at the White House yesterday when the president returned from mm -hmm. Florida. Uh, we thought that he might have a lot to say. Right. Um, in fact... Peter, uh, on the uh, on his return from Florida, um, I mentioned earlier, I was standing right alongside of uh, Major Garrett, uh, Hallie Jackson. We were shout as a president. Right. He sort of was looking at the press crew, looking at us, saying, do I want to talk to these guys or not? You know, he was really sort of right. waving back and forth. And uh, then he finally bolted over toward us, and we're all shouting questions. And he just put up his hand like, Mm -hmm. No, like I want to say something first. And here's all he had to say. I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. <coughs> the greatest place on earth. Thank you very much. <laughs> As Major Garrett said, I thought we already knew that. It was right. sort of like, <laughs> uh, I thought it was the P.T. Barnum thing, right? The greatest right. on earth. However, before he left Florida, he had a little more to say. Right. When, when he arrived at the airport before boarding Air Force One, uh, he walked over to reporters with this pretty angry message. It was just announced there was no collusion with Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. Which doesn't really reflect what the report said. Well, is that a surprise? I mean, <laughs> uh, he says a lot of things that don't reflect reality. Um, and that's what we're, we've come used to seeing and hearing. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, uh, on that point, um, 
So on, on, on collusion, just to clarify, the report says they could not prove that there was a conspiracy to collude beyond a reasonable they could not conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that there was a conspiracy to collude, which means this was not a case that he, the prosecutor, felt he could take to a court and get a conviction. That's right. And okay, so if which you don't mean, doesn't mean there was no collusion whatsoever. Exactly. And if you don't like this decision, you know, think about what it was like if you were a Republican in July 2016 and you didn't like what FBI Director James Comey said about the Clinton emails. He didn't see that there was a case for him to bring. And prosecutors make those decisions all the time. And people are free to feel the way they feel. But Mueller thought if I had to bring this case, I couldn't win this case. Mm -hmm. I could do it. It would be a waste of time. Right. And everybody says, I have faith in Robert Mueller. Well, if you had faith in him a week ago, you need to have faith in him now. He can't be this great guy until he does something you don't like. <laughs> now all of a sudden he's a bum. Right. And there's a lot. If you don't like Donald Trump, there's a lot still not to like about him. And this doesn't really change a lot of that. This mm -hmm. says that the special prosecutor didn't think that he was somebody he could charge with collusion. Right. And on obstruction of justice, in this case, the special counsel says uh, – there's evidence he did. There's evidence he didn't. Mm -hmm. I can't. I'm not going to make a decision about whether this is um, something right. th that I could charge him with a crime. Uh, and just to read that critical sentence from Attorney General Barr's letter, quote, the special counsel states that, quote, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Of course, the president says he's completely exonerated. The report itself does not does not say that. Mm -hmm. Did did Mueller? Uh, I heard Alan Dershowitz say yesterday, "Look, the prosecutor's job is to make a decision. You either do it or you don't. And if you don't, you just shut up. You don't say, I 'I can't decide what to do.'" Right. Did Mueller uh, kind of cave on this or walk away from this? No, I don't think so. I think he said what he found. I mean, think about what Comey said about the Clinton emails. This was bad, but it wasn't something that I felt I could bring in criminal cases. This says, I can't bring a criminal case on this, but I'm not exonerating him because there's so many indications that he did try to obstruct justice. You, you fire Start, the FBI director. Starting with the firing of the yeah. FBI director. And then, yeah. and then you say that you fired him because of that investigation. That looks like obstruction. And you call it a witch hunt 185 times or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it looks like you're trying to game the system. All right. So the one then who – so he said basically that decision has to be made by above my pay grade. Right. Meaning by the attorney general. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Nadler I thought made a point yesterday, a, a chairman Nadler of the House Judiciary Committee um, about how long Mueller took and how little time Bob Barr took to make his decision. Here's Chairman Nadler. After 22 months, for the Attorney General reviewing that record in 22 hours uh, is a bit much. So you got two years, two days, right. 22 months, 22 hours. Bill Barr says, no, I've had it. There's, there's not enough to convict here. Uh, yeah. Um, 
if you think that, you know, the fix was in, I think that's a reasonable conclusion to make. I mean, Barr said he didn't like this investigation before he was confirmed. Over a year ago. Right. And said there was no obstruction yeah. of justice, so there shouldn't right. be an investigation. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's So we I shouldn't said. be surprised by what he... No, and this isn't the end of it. This Bad. report is going to come out in some fashion. People are going to get it, and it's going to come out, and we're going to be picking at it up until Election Day next year. And... You know, maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's something that, some thread that people can pull on. But we're not done. Right. We're not done with this report. And we're also not done with investigations into Donald Trump. Oh, right? I mean, there's tons of them. There's the whole inaugural committee. I mean, that is a morass of special interest money and potential bribery or attempts to bribe. There's all the stuff in the Southern District of New York, all the Michael Cohen stuff. They have all of that guy's, you know, legal records. Mm-hmm. And you saw what Cohen testified to in Congress. Now, you can believe Cohen or not, and he's given a lot of people reason not to believe him. But what helped him in that testimony was he had all this evidence. And it was that evidence that proved that he was a liar. So then when he goes and testifies and says, here's what I have here, Mm -hmm. that gives him added credibility. At least it gives the evidence credibility. So people are going to take that. And there are going to be further investigations, and that could be Trump's biggest problem. Right. And you got the emoluments thing. You've got, I mean, the New York Times and the Post this morning identified like a dozen, at least a dozen, maybe over a dozen different investigations into different aspects. Right. As you mentioned, inaugural committee, his finances, his loans with Deutsche Bank. I mean, the tax evasion right. goes yeah. on and on. The so. Deutsche Bank thing, I mean, when you think about it, we're so numb to all these revelations about this guy. That's bank fraud, if it's true. You overrepresent your assets in order to get money. That's like extortion. You're lying about something to get money from people. Yeah. Um, you know, if that's true and if that was investigated by a credible, uh, you know, law enforcement agency, that could be a real problem for him. Uh, I want to take time out here for just a second to mention something that we, uh, I totally forgot about this morning until just this moment. If I don't talk about it now, I'll forget about it again. Mm. This is something that we would all be talking about today were it not for Mueller report coming down. Mm. And that is on Friday morning. The Treasury Department said, because North Korea is not cooperating with us on nukes, we're going to slap more sanctions on North Korea because we have evidence that they're rebuilding their facilities. They may not have tested, but they're still in this. Mm -hmm. We're slapping more sanctions on North Korea. Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, Donald Trump had said, no, we're not. I don't like those sanctions. I like and and the white and so he said no he overruled the treasury department right friday afternoon and the white house was asked why and sarah huckabee sanders says well because he likes kim jong un yeah isn't that st- stunning it's stunning <laughs> i mean seriously i mean it's uh <laughs> This is North Korea, okay? Yeah. These guys have been international rogues since 1945. Um, we had a three-year war with this country. They invaded South Korea. They are not, you know, cuddly little people. Um, and at the same time, he's saying, I like Kim Jong-un. I don't like John McCain. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Right. You cannot like John McCain, but you can't really put those things in the same sentence. One guy is demonstrably an American hero, 
and the other is the leader of a rogue nation has nuclear weapons. And there's a murderer and a thug and all of right. those kinds of things. Guy killed his own brother. Killed his own and and basic embarrassed Donald Trump in front of the eyes of the world yeah. at their recent summit by reneging basically yeah. on what they thought was an agreement, right? Yeah. And then he said, but I mean just the idea that while the administration mm-hmm. comes along and says, we need to put these new sanctions on North Korea, the president himself singularly, uniquely right. says, no, we're not. Yeah. Just at, at any rate, that would have been otherwise a news day. So I want to come back and segue into your new book because I saw something over the weekend that, that talked about this report such as it is, but then when you add to that all these other investigations that are ongoing and which are going to be more than enough to preoccupy prosecutors and the Trump administration mm-hmm. and the media for the next two years, right. that this is maybe already a, a, as corrupt an administration as we've seen since Watergate and maybe even more so. So how what are the parallels here with Donald Trump and Richard Nixon that you see as a Nixon well, historian? I think that uh, there is more corruption in this administration than in the Nixon administration. Really? I, I don't think Nixon was personally corrupt. He had issues with his taxes, you know, and whether he claimed more in deductions than he should have for value of his property. Was he trying to rip people off? You know, that that's questionable. Um, I mean, he was obviously concerned about money and the tax issues influenced his decision to resign because he knew that if he was con- impeached and convicted, he wouldn't have any money mm-hmm. and paying his taxes cost him a lot of money. Um, there were questionable, you know, decisions made about policy with Nixon, but I don't think they were done for personal financial gain. I mean, Nixon lied about a lot of things. He was secretive about a lot of things having to do with foreign policy, um, the way he structured the government that were secretive and I think people should have known about, but they were not personally corrupt. There was nothing like the inaugural committee with Nixon. Um, There were some elements, I'm not sure how much he knew about it, where they were basically twisting people's arms for ambassadorships to get money. a couple folks like that. That's hardly the admin, uh, the only administration where right. that has happened. Yes. <laughs> um, and they, they definitely right. put the arm on people to give to a 72 campaign. And there was some hinky movement of money in the 1970 midterms. Uh, but nothing quite like this where it goes to the president's own pocketbook. But didn't he personally direct? Um, the effort to um, sick the FBI or the CIA, whatever, on his political enemies. and um, He did the IRS. He wanted them to put right, them under IRS, scrutiny for their taxes. He, he made noises about having um, the FCC look at the broadcast licenses of the Washington Post uh, TV but stations. But also directly cover up, order the cover-up right, of, of what they were doing at the White House. What happened was the the Watergate cover-up was already happening, and he was told about some things um, and said, yeah, have the CIA come in and say, back off on the FBI investigation into this element of Watergate, particularly having to do with money going through a Mexican bank account. Um, and I think he was kind of led into that by other people, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. 
Um, he didn't necessarily direct it himself. It was obstruction, and that's what forced him out. But there were worse elements of obstruction later on. There was a period for about a week in March of 1973 when he and John Dean, then the White House counsel, met every day to talk about how they were going to cover up parts of Watergate. That was worse than what happened on June 23rd, 1972 in that smoking gun tape. Mm -hmm. But somehow that has been overlooked. But that a level of presidential involvement day to day in the cover up. Yeah. We don't have that with Donald Trump. We don't do have we? that with Donald Trump. No. Partly because I don't think Donald Trump has the focus to do that. <laughs> um, and no, that's one he's of the, too busy tweeting and watching television. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I think it was hard to pin collusion on him. He's not that focused and organized Good of a point. person. Right. Nixon was very focused and organized and he wanted this problem to go away. And he was doing whatever he could to make it go away. And then he lied about it. And the thing that that's remarkable is those tapes in their entirety really didn't come out until 20 years later. So people didn't see everything that he had done yeah, then. Right. So what was the role of Alexander Haig? And why do you say, call it Haig's coup? Haig came in as Nixon's chief of staff after H.R. Haldeman and John Ehrlichman resigned on April 30th, 1973. They brought in Haig, who had been the deputy national security advisor, and then he was the Army vice chief of staff to come back and provide some sanity there. Well, Haig knew that there were already problems in the Nixon White House. He knew what Nixon had done in his first term. Haig had been involved in many of those things. FBI wiretaps on government officials and journalists, a military spy ring that was stealing secrets from the White House and sending them back to the Pentagon that Haig had helped enable. So he had his own exposure to problems. He comes in and concludes Nixon's guilty, knows very early on about the White House taping system, has a way to find out what Nixon was doing, um, and did find out and concluded that Nixon was guilty and knew that he had to go and did things systematically during the 15 months of his chief of staff to weaken Nixon's position. Mm. Uh, so rather than rally behind his boss, right? Right. And saying, oh my God, he's guilty. How can we protect him and not let any of this come out, right? Yeah. He sees, oh my God, he's guilty. We gotta get him out. We gotta get him out. We gotta get him out without him going to an impeachment trial in the Senate and without him getting tried criminally after he's out of office. You know, we, we forget, I think, a lot during the Pentagon Papers trial during that same period. That trial produced so much, so many revelations about what Nixon had been doing that tied into Watergate. You know, there was all the, you know, the congressional investigations into Watergate, but the Ellsberg trial touched on the White House plumbers, which was a direct connection to the Watergate burglars. And those revelations out in federal court in Los Angeles were pinging back to D.C. every day in April and May of 1973, you have a trial coming up anywhere. Stuff's going to come out that you can't predict. And Haig knew that, and he didn't want that to happen. So in effect, he you're saying he almost did Richard Nixon a favor? In effect, yes. <laughs> he. Uh, That's a pretty brutal way of he was <laughs> getting in, your payment, but... He was in, Haig was involved in not only picking the Watergate special mm -hmm. prosecutor at, after Archibald Cox got fired, Leon Jaworski. He helped pick the two counsels for the House Judiciary Committee mm. doing impeachment. 
another Nixon defense lawyer and James St. Clair, Nixon's final defense lawyer. They were all people who he he knew through a guy named Morris Liebman, who was a lawyer in Chicago, who was Haig's legal advisor and kind of his conciliary during this whole process. And Haig knew him from his service in the LBJ Pentagon. Is there a parallel with Donald Trump? Uh, Richard Nixon, Alexander Haig, Donald Trump, and blank? Well, up until John Kelly left, there was a huge parallel because Haig was the only other person who was a four-star general in the military. Right. Haig was in the Army. Kelly was a Marine who had that job. Um, And, you know, people talk about the deep state, which is not something I really believe in. But people who have a career in the military have a loyalty to the military, a loyalty that transcends that to an ordinary person, whether it's Donald Trump or Richard Nixon. And Haig was a military guy. Kelly was a military guy. And their loyalty was to that institution more so than any one individual. But if there's some, but I'm just thinking who, so who would fill that role with Donald Trump today? It's not Mick Mulvaney. No. Who is... You know, acting chief of staff, right. and nobody really knows what he does around the White right. House, right? Uh, it's not Michael Cohen anymore. No. 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 They, uh, they have gotten rid of the people with an independent power source. They have people who are really loyal only to the president or have some kind of transactional belief in the president. Yeah. It seems to me they've got written, rid of anybody with any, you know, like, I guess, independent judgment or right. uh, contacts or authority or yeah. or even even willingness to try to exert some influence or power mm. or straighten things out, right? right. It's, it's just uh, uh, surrounded himself with uh, loyalists. Right. I mean, Haig was not a Nixon loyalist. He came out of the military. He worked for a long time in the Johnson Pentagon for Robert McNamara, the defense secretary, for Cyrus Vance, the secretary of... Mm-hmm of the army, Joe Califano, who was then Vance's deputy and then a key aide to LBJ. Yeah. He was one of, Califano was one of his best friends and an advisor to Haig. One of? Haig's best friends. Haig's best friends. He was an advisor to Haig while he was the Democratic National Committee lawyer and Haig was the White House chief of staff. <laughs> um, and that- Those days were different, right? Yes, and that relationship continued. So when- Haig was nominated to be Reagan's Secretary of State. The guy who represented him in his confirmation hearings was Joe Califano. Um, so he had connections that went way beyond Nixon. Um, and remember, you know, Nixon gets talked about as a guy who was widening the Vietnam War. He didn't really. Those were all kind of diversions. Let's go into Laos and do something to distract people's attention. The bombing in Cambodia, which was turned out to be a huge mistake, was not expanding the war into Cambodia. It was doing something they thought on the cheap, mm-hmm. you know, so he could then pull people out of Vietnam. Well, people in the Pentagon were looking at that going, you're not trying to win anymore. We thought you were going to help us win, and you're not. And one of the things that Nixon did very early on in his tenure is he signaled through Henry Kissinger to the Soviet Union, we're not going to win in Vietnam. We're not even going to try. So they knew. I mean, here you have North Vietnam's patron, this you know, Soviet Union, knowing that we're not really trying. Well, the military, our military didn't know that. Mm. And when they found out some of those things, they were shocked. 
Right. Uh, oh, we're still learning so much about Richard Nixon, huh? Yeah. And we'll be. The layers and layers and layers. <laughs> uh, and Ray Locker is peeling away his second layer. The first was his book, Nixon's Gamble. Uh, the next uh, coming out May 1, Hegg's Coup, How Richard Nixon's Closest Aide Forced Him from Office Again. Uh, comes out May 1. You can pre-order it. Um, a lot of parallels to what we're seeing today. Hey, Ray, it's always good to see you. Thanks Great so much to be for coming here. in. Yep. Congratulations again on the book. Thank and, you. Uh, oh, I'll good. be here for another half hour. Uh, yeah, you're here for another half hour. Yeah. I just, you know, pardon me, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> Ray is still here, and we're going to be joined by Julie Grace Brucky. Um, Brucky, I'm sorry. From The Hill, covers Capitol Hill for The Hill. Uh, now what happens in the wake of the Mueller report on The Hill? That's coming up next. This is the Bill Press Show. <laughs> on a Monday, March 25, here we are, the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us today. Thanks so much for joining us online, on the radio, and on television uh, as we come to you live from our nation's capital Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, and basically it is uh, Mueller, Mueller, Mueller. Uh, and we're brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. Uh, they are a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking union families at all of our retail grocery stores uh, across the country. Uh, and they happen to be the union that has um, uh, that represents the Bernie Sanders campaign right now. The uh, Bernie campaign joining the UFCW, the employees of the Sanders campaign. We were talking mainly uh, Mueller and a little bit of Richard Nixon, too, with uh, Ray Locker, uh, who has a new book coming out, Haig's Coup, how Alexander Haig forced... Uh, Richard Nixon from the White House. I mangled the subtitle here a little whatever. bit. Whatever. Whatever. The main title is what matters. <laughs> Out May 1. Uh, and we're I joined... like an author that, that, that takes that approach to their book stuff. Absolutely. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Julie Grace Brofke covers The Hill for, for The Hill. Uh, joining us at the table, Julie Grace, nice to see you. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, we know it's going to be a tough week for you because you had last week off, you know, so. Yeah, well, I feel like I needed last week off to brace for this week, so. Oh, boy, you're right. Need <laughs> Coming well-rested. Sure. Good point. Uh, we've been at it for about an hour and a half here, uh, mainly around the Mueller uh, report and the uh, the Attorney General's summation of the Mueller report. Uh, Peter, generating some comments? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We talked a lot about the parallels between Donald Trump and Richard Nixon. Uh, John says only Nixon <laughs> committed actual crimes. Trump was investigated for two years by Mueller and 16 prosecutors, and they found nothing. Uh, I, I guess that's a fair statement. They, they did not find a crime in the Mueller report. I guess that's a fair statement, but they did not exonerate him either. I on think yeah, that's justice. also fair. That's also fair. Uh, Bobby says whatever information from the Mueller report uh, that is released will be cherry picked. The fix is in. And that is re in response to our poll that we are currently running mm -hmm. about whether or not the Mueller report uh, will be released to the public. Our poll is still up there. Will the Mueller report be released to the public? Yes, no, or undecided. It's getting closer. 46% of you say yes, 40% of you say no, 14% of you are currently 
undecided. And you mentioned our guests, Ray and uh, Julie Grace Brufke, who are in studio. Um, I just had to point out Julie Grace's tweet before she showed up this morning. My hairdryer just caught fire, so my week is off to a good start. Your hairdryer caught on fire this morning? It did. It was like a, a flash of light, and it got real hot. The first thing I did was reach to the back of my head to make sure there was still hair there. And then all Your my power went good. out. I had to go find my fuse box. It was a lot. But I'm here. My hair is dry. I need to purchase on a new fire. one. <laughs> we got Mueller news coming, so it's all good. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Thank well, you. Never t- I keep looking for the scorch marks. <laughs> you know, me t- at this point, I, like, I was like, what was that? And then all, it was just like a giant, yeah, and then all the power. It was- I think it actually got to the back of my head. Because <laughs> oh, I'm feeling yeah. back and there's nothing there. Is that what happened? Your That's what happened. I blame your hair dryer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. Uh, Ray, who decides whether or not we're going to see the Mueller report? And do you think we are? I think, well, I think it's in the attorney general's hands, but I think Congress has a voice in that. I mean, the House, didn't they vote unanimously? They did, uh, re- I think there were a few that voted present. Yeah. But um, it, it was There were almost, no, no votes. It was no, no votes. 420 to zero. Yeah. Support to release the report. So yeah. I think both sides of the aisle are fine with that coming out. It's It's just not good to not release it. It's not sustainable if you're the Trump administration to have this thing sitting out there and be unreleased. I mean, look at what happened with the Star Report for Clinton. Oh, I mean, it was terribly embarrassing. But it came out. People absorbed it. He went on. He left office, you know, as popular as ever, more popular. Um, but I think that being out has kind of over the last 20 years influence how people feel about Clinton. And because I don't think it's been a good thing. I yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out a factoid here is that the language in the, the things have changed. Ken Starr's mandate was to release his report to Congress. Uh-huh. Um, Robert Mueller's mandate was to, re- and the language of all was to re- release his report to the attorney general. Right. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the attorney general, it's his, his purview now to, to mm-hmm. release the report, yes or no. He hasn't promised to do so. Of course, he said to release as, as much as possible. Right. Um, Donald Trump last week, I was at the White House when Jonathan Carl asked him, should the public see this report? And Donald Trump said, yeah, put it all out there. Right. right. Well, we'll see. So he could also order the report released. Yeah. In the meantime, Julie Grace, there's no doubt well, definitely. There's talk of bringing Bill Barr in uh, Judiciary Committee. So I know Nadler was talking about that. Oversight's talking about bringing him in. So, And if there was one uni- unifying thread from Nancy Pelosi to Chuck Schumer all the way down to the l- lowest freshman in Congress yesterday was, we want to see the yeah. full report. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I guess even after this four-page letter, the pressure will be even heightened, don't you think, Ray, on, okay, this is what you say it says, let's see the report. Oh, it doesn't cut it. I mean, look, this is the kind of stuff that only furthers conspiracy theories. It looks like you're hiding something. Get it out there. Let people decide if there's something that's classified that, you know, reasonable people can you know, believe that doesn't need to be released. Hey, grand jury testimony is still not released. Then fine, redact it. But do as much as you can so people can see. And then, look, it's just better for an informed population to have that information. Whether you're going to try to get Donald Trump or not, it's better to know that. It's mm-hmm. probably in the best interest of the White House, honestly. Correct. I, I mean, if the president's open to it, yeah, I mean, not 
that that really matters. Right. We should be transparent anyway. But I mean, clearly he doesn't have any qualms about it. I feel like the campaign finance stuff is probably a bigger worry for him mm -hmm. at this point. So. so you have in the House at least three committees, intelligence, oversight, and judiciary, mm -hmm. right, that are gearing up for, for yeah. looking at a lot of the stuff Mueller was looking at maybe and beyond mm -hmm. and even other areas. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, I think there's definitely going to be no shortage of investigations. I mean, we've already seen Ways and Means is trying to get tax returns. And, that's what should yeah, add Ways uh, and Means to that, too, right? There, be. There's definitely going to be no shortage of uh, investigations over the next couple of years, I don't think. So it's, uh, yeah, and obviously, I mean, the president wasn't exonerated in this report. They all want answers. So I guess we'll see in the next few weeks on uh, what committee hearings they call. But it sounds like they want Bill Barr in there for more answers, especially if the full report isn't released. Not just Bill Barr, right? There's but maybe talk of Mueller even bringing in. Yeah. Robert Mueller. Huh? Sure. I mean, there's nothing that makes him immune from having to testify before Congress. No, let's face um, it. He is now back to being a retired FBI director. Correct. And a, and a rich partner in a law firm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, so there's no, like, executive privilege. Right. No, look him. what happened to Comey. I mean, Comey got dragged in to testify about the Clinton investigation, and he did. And that's what happens. It was fair to bring in Comey, you know, Republican House, Republican Senate in 2016. It's fair to bring in Mueller. That's the way it works. If you think you've been exonerated by this, let's get the whole report out there and then talk about it. But you can't hold up a four-page letter and say, I'm cleared about by, by everything. And think that it's going to go away. It's not. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and and there's no, as you point out, um, there's no um, hesitation on the part of these four, at least four chairs, right? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I think feel like, uh, I mean, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. So I, I think that uh, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of fiery hearings coming up. It's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it'd be fascinating to see if they bring Mueller in. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, it, it, I'm reflecting on that uh, watching CNN's coverage yesterday. Rudy Giuliani called into the show mm -hmm. while Donald Trump was on Air Force One. Rudy and Jay Sekulow, they were on the speakerphone. They called in, and, and, and Giuliani's comment was, this is so ridiculous. They came up with absolutely nothing, and it makes you wonder why they even started this investigation in the first place. Oh, you know, it's like when you, you, you feel <laughs> something weird and you go to the doctor and you think, oh, I might be really sick, and the doctor says you're not sick, and you're like, damn it, well, you know, <laughs> I want to be sick. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, be happy. <laughs> Was it... <clears throat> Some of people have said... That one of the real weaknesses in the Mueller report on the Mueller investigation was that he did, in the end, accept not conducting a one-on-one -on -one interview with the president of the United States. Was that, do you think, both of you, the key that, that why the report's not strong? It didn't end up stronger than it was. I don't know how much you would have gotten from the president one-on-one. -on -one. I feel like he's probably going to get more out of the people surrounding him that are. Well, you would have gotten maybe um, some lies. <laughs> well, I think probably, That's what they yeah. were afraid of. But... You wouldn't have necessarily gotten the truth, put it that way. I, th I think the whole issue with him, and just about everything, is what does he really know about, in detail, about anything? And you go back to the Nixon stuff, 
Nixon knew exactly what was going on, with a few exceptions, but most of the time, it was his plan. And the stuff that was considered success, you know, by Henry Kissinger, Kissinger was the enabler and Nixon was the architect. They were doing Nixon's plan. In this case, there is no Trump plan. Stuff is happening. He's saying things. He does not, he has no command of the facts. People saw that in the healthcare debate in 2017. People would go to talk to him and he didn't know what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Did he really know what the people in his campaign were doing? Sorta, you know, they all thought he was going to lose anyway. Um, most of us did. So, I don't know what Mueller could have gotten out of that. Mm -hmm. He could have. Was well, it? Would it have been a perjury trap? Probably, because he would have said something that wasn't true. Yeah. I mean, we saw. I mean, obviously, the probe. There were a ton of indictments that came out of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's hard to call it a perjury trap when <laughs> the problem is not the. Mueller setting a trap. It's Donald Trump not telling the truth. If That's that, right. Where, where, have that, had that happened? And, yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking about last week with this Twitter storm between Donald Trump and George Conway. Yeah. At one point, George Conway says Donald Trump's own attorneys had told him we can't let him testify because mm -hmm. he'll inevitably. Right. Kellyanne's got a, a tough job with that whole situation. That's. Uh... <laughs> Oh, let's not get, let's not get into yeah, that. <laughs> I can't, I can't, we've, we've all given up trying to figure out yeah. that, that relationship. It's an interesting dynamic. The sure. thing <laughs> to remember is because we've seen this with so many other things. Okay, it's today it's the Mueller report or this letter. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. And we may even forget about this in the next week because he's going to do something else that is going to inspire outrage by people and make people scratch their heads. It's not like, oh, I've been vindicated. Now I'm on my best behavior until November 2020. It's only Monday. That that was my first reaction, by the way, as soon as I saw what this Mueller report said. And then you look at all the obsession over it over the last two years. I just thought, we're not even going to remember this next week. <laughs> This, like, people will not be talking. I mean, it's going to be, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. We're not going to have the Mueller report to talk about. But then again, like you said, there's going to be something, some new fresh hell yeah. that will show itself to us. And we'll move on. We'll I sometimes find wonder, like, 2024, if it'll just be, like, the most milk toast people on the planet. Just yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I think I'd be fine with that. Yes, please. <laughs> it is It is true. I mean, that's that's a very good point. The way things have been moving, the news cycle's been moving. Yeah, they'll be. We'll be on to the next. There's no shortage of chaos next, in Washington. I, you <laughs> know. the next hearing, and what yeah. may come out of the next hearing, for example, once they get started, they bring Mueller in and Barr in, and uh -huh. uh, and and you know who knows who else, right? Donnie yeah. Jr. I mean, yeah, right. Be off in all, all different directions. Here's a here's an issue we haven't talked about yet, which is. There are a lot of demands this morning, particularly coming from some Trump supporters, let's face it, uh, that the m media has to stand up collectively and apologize for our coverage of the Mueller report over the last two years. No. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you've got to go with the facts that you're right. gathering and if you're well-sourced and that's what you're hearing and it's, you're informing the public. It's... Uh... And... By the way, there was a lot, even yeah. though the final conclusion may not be 
put handcuffs on them and frog march them off the golf course. There's a lot that came out over the last under the, over the last two years. Oh, undeniably, and it's stuff that you have to report, just like you had to report about Hillary Clinton's emails, and you know Democrats didn't like that either. And there were excesses in that coverage, and there were excesses in this coverage, and you have to look at them as an individual, you know, as a reporter, as an editor, and decide how do I go about doing my job better. But is the collective media going to go and apologize for this? Absolutely not. I mean, he did many things to bring this on. Jeff Sessions did many things to bring on his recusal that got him out of this or into this whole mess. You know, we have to report on those. Absolutely. I also feel like uh, the call for that from, I feel like, a lot of a lot on the right, I feel like there's often kind of, a confusion between punditry and what news is. Right. Is, I wonder how much of that is. Yeah, and in this case, I mean, uh, th- clearly they're talking beyond punditry, right? I mean, mm-hmm. punditry, you expect people like me to hear our, right. our opinion, uh, but they're, they're, they're thinking that the whole, that the news coverage, right, from the beginning was Trump's Slanted. guilty and it's just a matter of time before he's marched off to. to well, there are a lot of people who but, are acting that way. But I don't think the reporters who were covering, at least the good ones, were doing that. And you're seeing it again now in the 2020 primary race among the Democrats. Oh, why are you writing about this and that? Because if you don't, you're going to miss something. I mean, oh, remember John Edwards and his beautiful love story with his wife and who had cancer and all this. And then he turns out that they're both kind of terrible people and a fraud and... Shame on us for not knowing that. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that. Right. I mean, to think back, I mean, Donald Trump saying there were no conversations at all, no meetings at all between anybody that worked for me and any Russian whatsoever. And then we find out that Michael Flynn is talking and Donnie Jr. is meeting and Jared Kushner is at the And then, you know, th- that's news. you got to report that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Donald Trump says, I didn't know anything at all about any payments made to any porn star or whatever. And then you find out that he was lying and Michael Cohen and even right. Rudy Giuliani admitted that he authorized the repayments and all. Yeah. That's news. you got to report news. that. Right? Absolutely. It's- yeah. Now, it may not be yet proven to be a crime for right. which he should be indicted or convicted, but it's certainly news. Yeah, I mean, look. So a lot of stuff came out of this report. You know, in in Washington, some of the stuff that's more outrageous is the stuff that's legal, not illegal. And uh, I think, you know, you got to do stuff that you have evidence to support if you're, you know, a journalist. And if you don't have the evidence to support it, you don't do it and you don't throw loose charges around. And, you know, that's the test that we all have to, to face. And if if we're not doing that and someone can say show why we're doing it wrong then we need to examine that but to not cover the issue is an abdication of our jobs uh not to walk away from this but julie i do have to ask you be sure we get this so congress does come back to town today they They were out of town last uh, week for their long um saint patrick's week celebration (laughs) uh or recess so what is the agenda dropping at 5 p.m was uh uh, on Friday was yeah. <laughs> the yeah. timing was interesting. Right. But, so um, what as they come back this week, what's the agenda? So tomorrow we've got the uh, veto override for the national emergency vote in the House, which in the uh, House. it doesn't look like that's 
going to be able to garner the votes to overturn things. But Pelosi said at a presser uh, last week up in New York that she thinks that by bringing it to the floor, it could help them in the courts, which is kind of an interesting take there. Uh, They need two thirds vote, right? They do. Meaning Democrats do not have enough votes to do it themselves. They're going to need. I think there were 13 Republicans that voted for the Castro bill in the House side. And I, I don't see them garnering more votes than that. And they need, but 30, 35, I forget what the math is, but. It's one of those things I should know yeah. off the top of my head, but could use a cup of coffee. It'll come to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it has to pass the House before it goes to the Senate? Or does the Senate vote independently? I don't know how that works. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean. No, I'm a House girl. I feel like yeah. that's a, We'll know. <laughs> we'll know by Tuesday what's going to happen so to Tuesday, it. I mean, the House Let's is going it. first on yeah. it. So it's, uh, Let's face it. It's not going to pass yeah, the Senate. No. And most likely not pass the House. Right. But yeah, the, it's, uh, I think the significance is that, as speak, the speaker said, when they get to the courts to test whether or not the, the validity of the mm-hmm. emergency declaration, at least they'll be able to say that both houses of Congress voted against the emergency right. declaration. Whether yes. they, they didn't yeah. vote to override, but they voted to say it's invalid. It's uh, uh, Which, Ray, it looks on the surface like it really is a violation of the constitutional power of the purse. I feel like you'll hear it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> yes. It sure looks like it. And uh, and some conservatives opposed it for that reason, right? Right. Because they are being consistent in their beliefs. And why I think we, with just about everything this president has done, you go, what would have happened if Obama had done this? Or Bill Clinton? Outrage. You know, and in many cases, legitimately so. So you're going to do this national emergency and you're going to reprogram money from the Pentagon. And I've seen lists of these. You know, that's money that's been approved. It's been in the CRs. It's been the appropriations bill, the authorizations bill. And now you're just going to whisk it away for something that most people believe is not an emergency. And there's no vote on it. But what's interesting, I think it was a Marine general that wrote a letter that was in the, uh, yeah. the it was the LA Times that was reporting mm-hmm. on uh how he's concerned that it's going to impact uh, military readiness. For yeah. Me. So it was, I yeah. think it was the commandant. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, curious to see if after that, if some of the military hawks will, maybe they'll be able to attract form- a few more Republicans that way mm-hmm. to uh, get on board. But I think they're still going to be pretty far short there on, yeah. on the votes needed to, uh, to pass that. Right. Um, so the, uh, does the house have, Anything, uh, I guess the other big bill I haven't seen move yet is the Medicare for All. Is that? I, I need to double check the timing on that. I know Paycheck Fairness is this week. That's oh. uh, that's the other big bill that they're voting on Wednesday. Um, the Equal rights. Hmm. So, so that's also coming up on the, the agenda this week. That's been talked about for a long time. Yeah. Remember Lily Ledbetter, first right. bill that Obama signed. Yeah. These things take time. <laughs> they definitely take time. And I mean, look, there's a lot of Republicans that want to do this because they see that it's messing with the operations of business. And, uh, you know, it, these things can open up all sorts, have all sorts of unintended consequences, um, which is what they don't like. All right. Yeah, I think that there's some other big things coming up on the agenda, too. I think the following week, I think VAWA is finally supposed to come up with reauthorization mm-hmm. facts that's been inspired for a while. Right. Right. But there's no doubt that what's going to dominate, I imagine, the House for and, and for the next couple of years is going to be 
follow up on all these uh, right, yeah. Trump inv it's, investigations. I think that's oh. definitely going to drive the news narrative for sure. Yeah. I mean, everything this guy does drives the news narrative. There's nothing coming out of Congress that's bigger than what he does. He's a national fixation. Um, he makes everybody crazy. He's going to keep making people crazy. Um, he's not going to be all of a sudden this unifier. He's not going to triangulate. I mean, he is who he is, and that's what we're we're in for for the rest of his presidency. It'll be interesting to see kind of how the White House manages to message. I mean, I feel like right now it was kind of a win for them over the weekend, but as more kind of develops, right? Well, that yeah, works into twenty twenty. I, uh, I think that all the vitriol that you saw Donald Trump expressing toward the Department of Justice and Robert Mueller himself is now going to be more and more directed against Jerry Nadler, um, Adam Schiff, and uh, um, uh, Elijah Cummings. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be we, nasty. Not just wi one witch hunt. We now have, have three witch hunts. Multiple witch hunts. <laughs> okay. What's throwing hey. ways and means. Great you know? to see you guys. Thanks Great for, to be for here. coming Great. in. Thanks, Billy Grace. Good to see you. Bill Press Show.